All right, bradcooney.com. I'd like to welcome singer-songwriter Tatiana Jade. Tatiana, thank you. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, man. You're definitely welcome. Um, all right, so cool. I went through, uh, I read about. I read up on you. I read your bio. I listened to your song. Um, I like the title. <laughs> it's no, it, it pulls <laughs> yeah, no... I'll explain that. Yeah, cool. It, it, now, all right, so so obviously the acronym, I think we all know what that means. Um, or maybe it has a different meaning. I don't know. So, yeah, well, I'll let you get right into it. Talk about the, 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 the single you have out, uh, Shady... AF or AKA as fuck? I don't know. Talk to me. What, what's, what's, what, what you got going on with that? That is correct. Um, so basically, it's just to give some extra emphasis on, you know, someone being shady. But uh, the basis for the song is talking about a few encounters that I've had with some, some girls and some women uh, in my life who didn't have the best interest at heart for me. And uh, some experiences that I've had with the music industry mm. and coming into contact with different men, different executives, um, you know, offering to help, but also sexually harassing me at the same time mm. and just looking for ways to exploit me. So uh, it's just shedding light on, on those experiences and how I felt about it. You know, and it's really unfortunate that those things happen because they certainly do. Of course, we have the Me Too movement, which is great. I think it's long overdue. Um, but that doesn't fix everything. I mean, there's still problems out there. And I tell you, when I used to be in the when I used to be in the boxing mixed martial arts world, um, I had a, a website that I, and I had writers, and a lot of the female writers that um, were in boxing and mixed martial arts dealt with that crap all the time, all the time. Right, right. So, all right. So, give me more backstory. Tell, tell me, you know, you gave me the gist of it, but are these um, would you say the song is more more personal or professional as far as the encounters you had, or, or both? It's both. Um, so in the first half of the song, I'm talking about you know the different girls that I've come into contact with that have been really catty toward me and you know pretend to be your friends and really they're spreading rumors about you behind your back. And then the second half is talking about the encounters that I've had with different men in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? Like, there's, there's an old saying that I, that I love. It's The saying is, success breeds hate. And it's really... That is definitely true. Isn't it true? I mean, when I was doing my thing, I didn't get any haters until I wrote my first book and published it. Um, and then when my website started getting, you know, a lot of traffic and we started getting, like, the big names um, on, on the podcast shows... That's when the haters come out of nowhere, but nobody hated you until you, until you, you get some success going. That, that is definitely true. As soon as you know, people found out that I was trying to sing professionally and I'm coming into contact with all these different people, that's when I start hearing stuff about me that's not true and you know, stuff starts popping up out of nowhere and then you know, the different men that I meet in the industry hear about me as well and you know, think that they want to help me and tell me, make me all these promises and stuff, and, you know, it ends up not working out. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of that going on, and unfortunately, it's not stopping anytime soon, but I thought, you know what, why don't I put my experiences that I've had into a song, try to encourage some other girls that are probably going through the same thing, and, and you know, let people know that it's okay to say no mm -hmm. and stand up for what you believe in. 
How's the song doing? Um, it's actually picking up some really good traction. I'm getting a lot of good feedback from it from different DJs. Um, it's been played in a couple of clubs, so I'm, I'm getting some really good feedback on it. So we're just trying to spread the word about it, make it go viral. Mm, no doubt. And it's really tough, man, in the industry to get spins these days. It's just competition so crazy. So that's great that some clubs are planning for you. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm sure it'll do even better going forward. Okay, and, and also, um, and, I, and of course, at the end of this interview, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about all your social media, but the song itself, is it, is it, is it made them on the main spots like Spotify and iTunes and things like that? Absolutely. It's up everywhere. So Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, um, Amazon, um, anywhere that you typically buy or download music, it, it's on those platforms. That's what's up, man. So if you people listening, you don't like shady fuckers, go buy shady as fuck. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, so when can the fans expect your first EP? What's up with that? So that is coming at the end of the summer. Um, I already have the songs ready to go. They just need to be recorded. And, you know, album art and all that good stuff. But um, my EP is basically ready to go at this point. And do you have go-to people that you that you work with frequently already in place? Or are you still looking for, you know, producers and things like that? Well, actually, I am my own producer. That's what's up. You know, actually, I did read that. So you produce everything, all of it, all your stuff you produce? Yeah. Yes. I did the, the beats. Nice. I wrote it. I did the instruments. Like, everything you hear, I did. That's great. You know, and, and also there's... Uh, there's money to be made in making beats for other performers, too. Is that something you've done or, or, or look, look to do? That is something I definitely look to do. I've um, you know, had some experience writing for other people as well. So, um, But producing definitely is the area that I kind of want to focus on for doing mm -hmm. for other people. How many songs are going to be on the EP? About six. Nice. Between five and six, I'm still going back and forth. But, yeah, about five or six. How do you decide... Which songs to put? Because if, if I'm guessing, you probably have written a ton of songs. So, what yes. is your process? How do you process through it, and how do you come up with like what? What are your, you know, what are what are some things you need to really, really feel good about before you actually put a song on an EP? Well, for me, I think it should have a central theme to kind of go off of. Um, Shady AF is definitely going to be on the EP as well. Um, but basically, songs that are kind of dealing with around the same things. I also have songs about love, mm -hmm. you know, and breakups. It's not all um, <laughs> bad experiences <laughs> yeah. that I've had. But um, basically trying to just go off of a central theme um, and just work around that. See how the songs all fit together when you hear them back to back um, to see if they mesh well. Um, yeah, basically that's that's about it. It just depends on the songs and, and how I feel about it listening back to it. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. Recently, I inter I interviewed Roy Jones Jr. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's a legendary boxer, a future Hall of Famer. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, a former U.S. Olympian, too. He's a silver medalist. He really should have won the gold medal. They robbed him um, on the cards. He should have been a gold medalist. But Roy Jones has put out a hip-hop record a few years ago, and it got really good. got a bunch of radio play, and He's about to release a second one. Um, he just told me earlier today. Um, so I think I want to 
I think I want to introduce him to your stuff. Um, and just, you never know. Maybe you guys can do a collab or, or whatever and network that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I'd really appreciate that. Because I like the song. I like the title, too, man. It's just it's a no, no punches pulled. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I don't like to sugarcoat things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with these experiences that I've had, it's cutthroat. Yeah. You know? So, um, because I'm not actually cursing or, or using the words in the, in the song, I, I did want it to be as clean as possible, but yeah. still get the point across. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be as, as savage as it could possibly get <laughs> while not having a big E next to it. I hear you, know you man. I mean. Well, I, look, this is my podcast, and, I'll, and if I want to drop the F-bomb, I'm going to do it, because I like that title, man. <laughs> no punches <laughs> no, pulled. I get you. <laughs> All right, so um, well, let's talk about some of your musical influences. Who, who are some people that, that um, just inspired you and maybe even formulated part of who you are in music now? Um, I Well, I like so many people, but I guess I would have to say early on it was definitely Aaliyah. Oh, yeah. She was like a really, really big influence on me. Um, Lauren Hill, um, of course, you know, Destiny's Child, Beyonce, um, Rihanna, um, Sade. Um, Sade, that's more my era. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I grew up on that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, I grew up on jazz. Uh, you know, Adele, Pink. I mean, there's so many that I could name, but um, first and foremost, like the the first artist that I could remember that I really fell in love with was Aaliyah. Yeah, man. And you mentioned Lauren Hill. What? What? Where did she go? I mean, she was, of course, the Fugees. I love her, man. And then, like, I wish she'd be putting out. Maybe she is putting out music because it's not getting to play at you. So I don't know. But man, I love well, her. Well, I know man. her songs are getting licensed by you know Drake and Cardi B now, but so she's you know starting to get more relevant again. But um, you know, so it's the same that her first album that did so well, she just kind of I don't know. Yeah, isn't that well, weird? She had a kid and stuff after that okay. too, so that kind of <laughs> takes a toll. Sure, but, um, she's so talented. Yeah, she was very talented. I really admired her. There's another artist that, that I used to really, really love that kind of just disappeared off the map. But then I found out he was doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and that's Babyface. Remember Babyface? I do, yeah. He was, like, huge. I thought he was going to be, like, like, you know, like the next prince as far as notoriety goes. Um, but then he just kind of just disappeared. But then I heard he's really doing well producing the hell out of stuff, you know, for a lot of really big-time musicians. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's where a lot of the money is, too. Yeah. So, in, in the publishing and all that. So, I mean, business-wise, that was probably the best decision for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being out there in the limelight, you do kind of fall behind the scenes, so yep. to speak. Yep. So, so what got you into this? Like, how old were you when you first started singing and then, you know, writing and, all, and, and, and producing and such like that? Well, I first figured out that I could sing on pitch when I was three. Oh, wow. Um, so that's why, you know, Lauren Hill and Aaliyah were such a big influence on me because that was what I heard growing up. Um, so, yeah, but um, I didn't start writing my own songs until I was about 12, 13. And then my mom got me a keyboard, and so I started <clears throat> putting, you know, music and stuff and making my own beats. Nice. And then I was able to actually get the right equipment to do it properly. 
Um, and so I've been doing it all together for about mm, 10 years because I'm, I'm 22. So, yeah, from 12 to 22. So, yeah, about 10 years altogether I've been singing and producing my own music. And isn't it great to have a parent that supports what you love? That's, that's really important. It is. It definitely is. So it was a big help. Absolutely. All right, so we're like halfway through 2018 already. That's crazy to even say. Um, so where do you want to be? Like, what are your goals for the rest of this year going into 2019? Well, definitely to try to get, you know, as much attention drawn to this song as I can um, and then release my EP at the end of the summer. Um, hopefully, you know, do some really good performances some gigs that can get way more eyes on me yeah uh, and then you know try to move more mainstream you know get on you know different radio stations that are known to blow up artists mm -hmm. um and then just go from there try to ride it out and you know hopefully collab with some other artists in the meantime um maybe write and produce for some other artists too mm -hmm. but a, a lot of that depends on how well i can make this song you know a lot of uh a lot of artists that I interview on this on this podcast show, they utilize World Star Hip Hop. They get on that website and get a lot of traffic through them. Okay, I will definitely keep that in mind. So I mean, that. I've heard about it, but I didn't realize it was that big of a. Oh my pop. God! Oh, that was huge. World Star Hip Hop has like literally millions and millions of of, of views a month. Um, so I've in I've interviewed maybe just in the past month, five or six hip-hop artists on this podcast show, and like four out of the six have their stuff on World Hop Hip Hop, World Star Hip Hop, so look into that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Also, you mentioned earlier about performing live, which is really important. It's really important to build a ground game. It's, you know, it's real, and social media is great. It's, it is really great. In fact, I wish, I wish I had it when I was younger, but it's also really important to build that ground game um, via live performances and just you know having people on the ground and build that swell you know you know what I'm saying yeah I definitely agree so I'm gonna be trying to get more performances going forward and um, like have a street team just go mm -hmm. spread the word about me and try to get my name out there to as many people as we can so so if there's anybody out there that listens to this podcast and you're not shady as F <laughs> you need to maybe sponsor Tatiana Jade and help her finance her and help her so she can get out there and tour around. That would be great. That's the main thing that I'm missing right now, you know, trying to do it all myself, me and my manager. Yeah. Sponsors yeah, are getting, important. It's really important yeah, to find sponsors. It, it definitely is. So, um, yeah, that that's the goal for the rest of this year. Just try to get as much attention on me as, as possible. Yeah, man. So what about your music separates you from others? And that's really important, the separation thing, because like I said before, there's so many musicians in all genres, and everybody wants to make it to the next level. So you have to have something that separates you. So if you had to pick a thing or two, what is it about your music that makes you different from the next person? Um, I would have to say the fact that I'm doing everything myself. Just because, you know, being in the position that I'm in, I don't have, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to an amazing producer and have him make me mm -hmm. a dope beat 
and then get another songwriter to have write a song for me, and then all I have to do is go sing it. I'm not in that position yet, so mm-hmm. because of that, I've had to improvise and learn how to do all of this myself. And so I definitely think that, in being a female as well, I don't see a whole lot of females, at least not that are being advertised publicly, that are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also taken you know recording arts classes, so I know how to mix and master my own songs if I have to. I've, I would prefer to go to a studio, but... If I don't have the money, I have to do it myself. So I've had to learn how to literally do everything to to be able to make a song. Wow. As well as play the instruments. And, you know, I, I've been playing piano since I was seven. Wow. Um, and I picked up guitar when I was about 14. How many instruments do you play? Um, I play three. So piano, guitar, and drums. That's really impressive. Very impressive. Thank you. I'm like really impressed. That's that's you know that's that's great. I mean, and you know, I, I recently I, I watched. I'm all over YouTube all the time, and I watched an old interview with Prince. And Prince, I've mentioned them already on on this podcast to you a couple times because he's one of my all time favorite. I'm a huge Prince fan. I've been for many many years. And one of the things I admire the most about Prince was the how how multifaceted talented he was. I mean, he had. You know, of course, his stage presence goes without saying. But he played like 13 or 14 instruments. And he was a literal musical genius. And I saw an interview with him some years back, obviously before he passed away, um, with The View, that TV show The View. Mm-hmm. And he is he was talking about... Um, well, actually, one of the guests, I forgot which one it was. Maybe it was Barbara Walters. She She asked him what his thoughts were on Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, the artist, because she said yeah. Justin Bieber um, is a big Prince fan, and she said, "So, what are your thoughts on him?" And he said, "I would like for to see the kid pick up a guitar and play it, play guitar, do something more than just sing, learn the craft, really polish your craft, and go after it, and that can separate you." I definitely agree. I, yeah, that I would have to say that's like the main thing that separates me from. All of the female artists that are out right now. Yeah, really. I mean, I'm sure there are some that that you know do play instruments and whatnot, but um, the fact that I'm literally doing everything to put a yeah. song together myself, it it's kind of unheard of. It's very unheard of. And listen, I, you're talking you're, you're talking to somebody who's interviewed literally thousands of people over the years, um, and I've and of course I've had artists and musicians that do mix their own you know music and write. But you're the first, you're the first gal, you're the first female that I've ever interviewed that plays three instruments, writes, produces, I mean, does everything. I mean, that's it's really impressive. In fact, there's a real vacuum in, in the in, in the field for that. So I'm sure that's something you should also pursue is maybe market yourself doing that as well. So so other females and even guys can come to you, so you can produce their stuff. Yeah, I would not mind that at all. That's actually where I would like to see myself mm-hmm. um, eventually. So yeah, I'm all for that. I'd start burning that candle now if I were you. Well, you know, don't don't take your foot off the gas pedal with your with your own career, but maybe maybe multitask that. And, and because I'm telling you, there's, I'm sure there's going to be a young lady out there listening to this podcast and like, wow, man, you know, maybe I need to reach out to her. She just said she can, you know, mix master songs and so. Anyway, 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I definitely will start working that aspect. Cool, man. I didn't mean to lecture you or nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I welcome all feedback, all constructive criticism. All it does is help me get better. That's right. Um, so how much live performing have you done? Have you, get, have you had many gigs and you know shows? I have. I mean, I've been doing this professionally since I was 16. So, yes, I, I have definitely performed in front of hundreds of people before. So it's nothing new to me. Um, I haven't performed this particular song in front of anyone yet, but um, I'm hoping to do that soon. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer performing in front of large crowds or small crowds? Large. <laughs> um, for some reason, small crowds kind of nerve-wrack me a little bit more just because it's less people in the room and it's more quiet and all eyes are on you. I'll still do it. Yeah. But as far as comfortability, it's uh, I would prefer larger crowds. Let me tell you, that's a that's an actually that's actually a common answer that I get, and I ask that question to a lot of my guests, especially like the guests that I have that are like world known. I asked, I had the singer from the band, the rock band Three Doors Down. Have you ever heard of Three Doors Down? The I have. Band? I have a couple of her songs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brad Arnold. I've been knowing Brad since 2005. He's actually from very close to where I live, but um. I asked him one time the same question I just asked you. I said, "Would you prefer singing, you know, in a in a in a club or a bar, or in a stadium with fifty thousand people?" And he immediately said, "Man, he's like, I'd much much rather sing in front of fifty thousand people than I would in a little a little bar." And I said, "Wow!" So he told me basically the same thing you said. He said he said because uh, he's believe it or not, he gets like nervous a little bit. Um, even at this point of his career, he said, "I always get butterflies because I don't want to make mistakes." Blah blah blah. But he said, "What he does when he's when he's singing to like fifty thousand people, he'll like find two or three people like in the front row somewhere, and he kind of just like uses them as his anchor to like focus on that little section." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done the same thing, so I definitely know what he's talking about. Yeah, so that's cool that you answered the same way Brad Arnold did. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you've done it both ways like you've performed in front of a small crowd and large crowds and you can uh, do a comparison most people will probably answer that way yeah just because you know it, I don't know it's, it's hard to explain unless you've been in it it's just it's nerve-wracking when mm -hmm. it's like 10 people just staring at you <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to like yeah. 300 what do you enjoy more do you enjoy creating the song or do you enjoy performing the song that you created? Which is which do you enjoy more? Oh, um, actually, I'd have to say both, half and half. Um, you know, every song process is, is different. Sometimes I'll come up with the beat first. Sometimes I'll come up with the the melody of the song. It just depends. Um, but that process to me is very therapeutic mm -hmm. and it's just, it's kind of, you know, it's fun. I'm in my element. I'm not rushed typically <laughs> for anything. Um, but then when, when I have the finished product and I get to debut it to other people and I'm proud of it, um, that part is also really fun too, especially if I get really good feedback from it and I can see that people are enjoying it. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of a little bit of both. When do you know a song's finished? Like when you're when you're going through the process of, of, of writing it and creating it, um, when do you put your hands on your hips and take a deep breath and say, "Cool, man, that's a wrap." Like, what, what do you look for? <laughs> um, 
Well, typically after I've finished writing this song, you know, it'll have a, a first verse, a bridge, chorus, second verse, bridge, chorus, you know, something else, and then an end. So I'll know that the song is finished where I don't need to add anything else. Um, as far as the recording process, I'll just, you know, kind of fine-tune it after I've recorded all of the parts and make sure I don't need to add any harmonies or anything anywhere or, um, you know, something doesn't need to be switched up or moved or re-recorded. You know, just I just fine-tooth comb it and just make sure it sounds exactly how I pictured it in my head. Um, and then, you know, depending on if I have the money or not, I'll go to a studio and, and record it for real. Um, and then, you know, it'll be finished at that point. Okay, so you explain the structure part of it. Like, I know a house is finished when it's, you know, the framing's done, the, the shingles are on the roof, and it's wired, um, you know, the carpet's down. I know the house is finished at that point. But, like, as far as creating a song, and you got, you know, the structure part from A to Z is done, I mean, is there things you look for before, you know, before you wrap it up and say, hey, this is what I want? Like, how many, I guess what I'm asking you is, like, is there a lot of changes? Do you tweak a lot before you finally say, all right, cool, it's, it's done? I do, yeah, especially if it doesn't, if I record it and it doesn't sound exactly the way I pictured it in my head, yeah. I'll try to get it as close to that as possible before I throw up my hands and say, you know, it's done. Um, but, you know, some songs are easier to finish than others. Some songs don't need a whole lot of fine-tuning. It's just, it's more simple. Um, and then you have others, like Shady AF was, it took me about a month to finish that song mm -hmm. like from start to finish as far as like the music and writing it and everything um because i, I wanted it to be perfect i knew this was going to be my debut song yeah and so I, I didn't want to leave anything out i wanted to make sure well no one's going to be able to say i didn't say it like this or no one's going to be able to pick out anything um i can still pick certain things out just because i wrote it and i was there at its inception <laughs> but um Typically, yeah, I, it's just a feeling that I get when I know I don't need to add anything else or, or do anything else to it. Did Shady AF, did that song, was it brewing for a while? Or was there, was there one in particular episode you talked about earlier about, about people screwing you over? Um, can you describe, like, when that happened? Like, when you said, you know what, I'm going to write a song about these fools. You know what, something, there's actually been quite a few things that have happened to me with girls in particular, um, but basically in my teenage years I've had quite a few fake friends yeah. in my life, and so I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm done yeah. <laughs> making friends with girls that don't really want to be my friend, Yep. and they're just basically mean girls, so... Um, you know, I was just trying to look for new material to write about one day, and I was like, you know what, I'll just use that as the subject matter. It doesn't always have to be about sex or love or anything like that. I want to make something, especially with everything that's going on now with um, the Me Too movement, too, and then mm -hmm. my experiences that I've had with sexual harassment. I just thought, those are all shady experiences. Let's just combine it, yep. make it catchy. You know, put it in a way to where other girls will be able to relate to it. And so I just thought about all of those experiences, and you know, it was kind of just born that way. Mm -hmm. You know, let me tell you about friends. There's a huge difference between friends and acquaintances. Um, 
I'm I'm over 50 years old now, so believe me when I tell you, I've been through, <laughs> I've traveled that journey of fake friends, and um, but you know, you really end up, you really end up with only three or four people that you can truly say are are true and through true friends, like somebody who would donate a kidney if you needed it, or you know, if you needed a bone marrow transplant. There's really, you know, on average in life, you have about three of those people in your life. So just keep that in mind, man, because you're going to, especially as you go forward and, and your career takes off, um, and especially if you really start climbing in the charts and making money and really getting out there and doing your thing in music, you're going to notice that your crowd's going to want to get bigger and bigger and bigger around you. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, Mike Tyson, the, the former heavyweight champion in the world, he, he was talking about that one time where, you know, when he didn't have nothing... He hardly had any friends. He had one or two friends. And then he made $100 million in his boxing career, and his friends went from two to 200. And he would have, like, 50 people at hotels, and you know, mooching off of him. And, and then when he went broke, those two friends that he had all the way back in the beginning, where the, where the, where the two there was still, still by his side, when he didn't have a penny to his name anymore. And those are the kind of people you want to keep in your circle. You know? I definitely agree, and I've heard that before, too. Yep. It's good stuff, man. Well, I wish you the best. I really appreciate you doing this interview. But before I let you go, I definitely want to give you the microphone and tell everybody out there where they can buy Shady AF and where they can follow you on all your social media. The mic is yours. Thank you. So, yes, you can all buy my single Shady AF on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Tidal, um, CD Baby, TuneCore, it's up everywhere that you can get music. Um, as far as my social media, you can follow me on Instagram at RealTatiJade. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at RealTatiJade. Snapchat um, is TatiBunnyBoo. And my Facebook page is TatianaJade. There it is, folks. So, also, anybody listen to this, take a look at her, buy her music. Sponsor her, if definitely, especially if you live in that. In, in, in what, what state do you live in? I live in California, so I'm in the Bay Area. The Bay Area, Northern Cal. You'll folks get behind her, man, and support you know a local and, and help her uh, grab her journey and run with it. I appreciate you doing this, man. I really do. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you.